Israel are blessed people coming to you at this time right into your church services 1358 about 158 uh, p.m. and I know you are gathered in your churches observing your Sunday services such a wonderful beautiful time in the history of the church even for me to come to you in your churches I know that uh, this is the most unparalleled time in the life of the earth, the life of the church. God the Father himself has visited. He has visited the house. He has visited the earth. The cloud of God that only visited way back in the Old Testament, more than 3,000 plus years away, has now descended when I stood before the nations and called Jehovah my friend to come visit me in Kisumu. And in that tremendous prophecy, you hear me saying that Kisumu is coming up right next, that Kisumu is next, and that uh, he would come in the most dreadful cloud of his glory, and like a funnel, he would come and you see in that conversation, you can tell that the prophets of the Lord are watching from above. If you look at the prophecy of 2017, you could see that they were up above with the Lord from heaven. And they were seeing how the cloud descends and covers the tent. That's why they described the funnel. But from above, they say totally covered the tent. From above, the tent is totally overlapped, totally covered. And so such a time when now there's a big panic in South Korea. Today there's a very big panic in South Korea on uh, the coronavirus. They've shut down church services, Sunday services. They've shut down any meeting, gathering of people. Today there is a big panic in Europe, in Italy. Italy, 10 towns, 10 cities have been shut down, 10 towns in Italy shut down because of the coronavirus and the WHO, the World Health Organization is saying what is most disturbing to them is that they do not know this virus and in that prophecy you hear that I have gone and spoken with the doctors already, 2015 and they have said we need to do a culture, we need to do a culture meaning we need to culture and identify this virus, identify its sequence we need to study, we need to know it, it's unknown. And there's lack of equipment, lack of supplies, there's no medication for it, there's no cure for it, and not much is known, the RNA virus. Now they have sequenced it, it's the RNA virus, but also most likely mutating very fast, so we are in for a very serious situation. And the Lord is using that to uh, identify to you two things. One, the servant that he promised he would send in the book of Revelation that would prepare the way for the glorious coming of the Messiah. And he's also identifying to you, number two, the time that the coming of the Messiah has drawn nigh. The locust invasion, this night the Lord spoke with me again about locust. How much is going to get worse? And I see the locust entered my house. So that means they are going to even enter homes and houses. It's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be a, a very dreadful and fearful situation. And the Lord is using these to identify to you 
you can tell all along up to when the cloud of God comes, he is commanding heaven to open in Katamega, and in less than a minute rain falls down, heaven obeys, he's commanding heaven to open in Lima, Peru, and heaven opens, and rain comes, that prophecy I gave in Italy, from Palermo, Italy, and he's commanding heaven to open in Joro, Eldama Ravine, in Kisi, when he says, these are the days of Elijah, as he's running, before the rain pours, and then he says, Lord, we are ready. Open heaven here now. Let it rain here now. And then you see a heavy historic outpour, downpour. So you can see that he was identifying the messenger of the book of Malachi. The book of Malachi, the one that was promised would come. The one that slaughtered the false prophets on Mount Carmel. But you look back also as the other messenger in the spiritual form, the spiritual realm, because he died. He died, and then the Lord raised him. And the voice of the Lord said on that day, when he raised him from the tomb, the voice of the Lord said, I am the Lord who conquered Moses. And then he resurrected him inside heaven. But you see that now, the other messenger that's opening heaven, is striking Mexico with earthquakes unbelievable. He asks Mexico, give me a reason why I should not judge you. Then he strikes the nation. He goes to Chile and he says, I will shake you. I will shake you. Then he shakes the nation very violently. The bridges are collapsing, the highways, the everything. Tsunamis and so forth split the ocean, split part of the ocean. Then he strikes Haiti, he strikes Iran, he strikes Inchuan, he strikes uh, Mount Everest, he strikes the, 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 the Andes Mountain in Peru with accuracy because he said the epicenter would be a mine, a mine. A place that looks like a quarry, meaning there's some mining going on there. So you see he's identifying that messenger. But when the cloud comes down, then the voice of the Lord says that the God of Elijah will be with his two mightiest, mightiest prophets. And then at that time in Kisumu recently, December 22nd, 2019, the cloud that only comes to the messenger you see in the Old Testament and then after that, he strikes the earth with locusts, the plague of locusts. Then he strikes the earth with the coronavirus. Ten cities have been shut down in Italy today. No Sunday services in South Korea today. And he strikes the earth, December 26th, with the plague of darkness that he prophesied. So... This is the time we're in. We're going to continue celebrating the visitation of the Lord. But there is a reminder as to all this. Why all this is happening? He's saying that the nations never know it very clear. Nobody can ever say, I never saw those messengers. I did not hear from them. And they are pronouncing the hour when the Messiah is coming. They are saying that the Messiah is coming. The Lord is coming. The Lord Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, is coming. 
The Lord is coming to take his bride, the Holy Church, and that the nations now need to repent. And it is this same cloud that did open the day, that 15th of January 2017, when the Lord showed me the glorious chairs and the church entering heaven, and then the same cloud closed. It is this same cloud that lowered the glorious stairs of everlasting life, the prophecy that is in part fulfilled and circulating globally through your social media and everything. And so this is such an interesting time. It's such a powerful time to be born again in your churches, wherever you're sitting today. Maybe you came to the church and you saw, you watched, you watched all these visitations, you're astounded, you're totally in perplexity, and you are consumed with a fright, with a fear that, wow, I did not know that all this was happening. Maybe you are a guest. But all this is meant to underscore one very important message, that the nation needs to repent, that the church needs to repent, that mankind needs to repent and believe the gospel, receive Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, and see everlasting life. And that's why I'm coming to you now to fill up to complete your services today with this sermon here. What is all this? What does it portend? What does it speak to the church? What message does the visitation portend to the Christian believer? And that's why I said I should come to you at the prompting of the Lord to discuss with you this matter on preparedness. How ought you to live at this time when the Lord is visiting? And we know there's a big celebration this week also, the, the celebration now, we have localized them, located them on Friday, and different crops of bishops are coming in before the major national celebration that takes place. And I know that uh, we also have the big meeting at Jomo Kenyatta University of Agriculture and Technology that will take place 28th of March, and I see people coming from abroad. It's going to be a big meeting. The government's already involved. They're already preparing because it will be massive. It's the first meeting after the grand visitation in Kisumu. And that's why I bless this nation. I bless the leadership of this nation because they have gotten involved in this tremendous mission of the gospel of preparing the nation for the coming of the Messiah. So this at Jomo Kenyatta University of Agriculture is coming on the 28th of March, and it's going to be massive. You can imagine we need so much help because it will be very massive. It's the first meeting ever since after the grand visitation of the cloud of God. We see already flight tickets coming in from abroad. Many people are coming to Jomo Kenyatta at that public lecture to be such a tremendous revival meeting, a world expo. But today, blessed people, I want to come to you with a very, very important message arising from the visitation the tremendous monumental visitations that are accruing, that have consumed the church at this hour. The visitation, the ultimate visitation, the visitation of God the Father himself. And no man, you don't see it in your Christian TV. <laughs> you don't see it on your Christian television that any man may step forward and call God the Father to come to him at a particular time and place. 
when he's conducting a particular meeting in Kisumu, and that heaven may obey, and God the Father indeed descend in the thick dark cloud that only appeared and only appears to his friend, the greatest friend of God in the Bible, in the Old Testament. So these are historic times, and the Lord is busy identifying the messengers that are walking here. You don't have any opportunity again to say that you did not know. So I want to talk about remaining steadfast unto the Lord of hosts. Remaining steadfast into, in your salvation at this time, the message that the Lord is bringing forth when such a visitation is accruing on the earth, remaining steadfast unto salvation. That's what I want to look at as you're in your churches, prepare your books, uh, your papers, your, your, your pens, that your memory may not let you down. Now, I want to read the following scripture, and that will be our reference scripture. What is the message that the Lord is resonating from the visitation of Yahweh that you see happening now? He has already identified the two messengers, two in one. Only the Hebrew church, the Hebrew people expected two in one. One in the glorious body and the other in the physical body. I don't know why the church did not expect two. The church was only surprised. When I tried to introduce this in 2011 at the radio station, I realized nobody understood. It was becoming spooky. It was becoming complicated. Then I withdrew because I said, we are two. We are two. One of them, one of me standing up there full of bees. The bees cover all the beard and everywhere, meaning is loaded with the wrath of the Lamb, the wrath of the Lord, the wrath of God that you see now beginning, in the beginning of that pain, the coronavirus, the locusts, and all these earthquakes. And the Lord is saying, you need to prepare and get out of here because it's going to get worse before it ever gets better after the millennium. So, our blessed people, the book of Hebrews, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6, and I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 8. And that will form our reference scripture. These are very important scriptures that have become a household uh, name in this ministry. Many times I've read these warnings across the globe. I've read this scripture from Lima, Peru, in Paris, France. I've read it in Canada, in Montreal, Canada. In Toronto, I've read this scripture. I've read it also in South Africa. read it in Nigeria. I've read this scripture in Italy. In, uh, I've read it in uh, Palermo, Italy. I've read this scripture also in uh, Reggio Emilia in Italy. I've read it also from uh, the lower cities of Italy. I've read it everywhere. read this scripture in the Latin America, New Zealand, Australia. So this is the scripture I want to look at today, that we may understand what the Lord is saying at this hour. So, the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 to 8, if you turn with me there, that will be all right. He says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teaching about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and of faith in God. Verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 6, he says, he goes on to say, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying of hands, the resurrection of the dead, a 
and eternal judgment. Verse 3 says, And God permitting, we will do so. Verse 4 then he goes on to say, It is impossible, if I were you and I meet the word impossible, I would underline that, I would highlight it. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God Almighty, and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance, because, he say, to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting our Lord Christ Jesus to public shame, public disgrace again. So what is he saying until there? At this point, blessed people, he's simply making it very clear to you that it is impossible, meaning it is not possible that if somebody has been enlightened, has tasted the heavenly gift, has shared in the Holy Spirit, has tasted the goodness of the Word of God Almighty, and has also tasted the powers of the coming kingdom, the powers of the coming age, and then now go ahead and fall to sin. After tasting all these things, that's what he's saying. Let me say, it is virtually impossible for that person to be brought back to repentance. That is the Bible. My Bible says it. The Bible you're reading in America, I see a lot of you all over the world are tuned in. I see hundreds of cities tuned in globally. That is what your Bible too is saying. My Bible says it. The Bible says that. And the Bible is the only book whose word must be fulfilled. It says, after you have been enlightened and you have tasted the heavenly gift and you have shared in the Holy Spirit and you have tasted the goodness of the word of God Almighty Yahweh and you've tasted the powers of the coming kingdom, the powers of the coming age, creepers walking, blind seeing, the cloud coming, all these that demonstrate the powers of the coming age. And he says, and then you decide to go ahead and fall to sin again. You see, you say, and who have fallen away? He says, it is virtually impossible for you to be brought back to repentance. That's what my Bible says, and your Bible says. It is virtually impossible for you to be brought back to repentance. In Hebrew, it says, zeo. Zeo meaning finished. Hmm? Because he says, to their loss. They crucify the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace, public shame. In other words, you are telling Jesus, oh, I don't know, you are already telling Jesus that look, the first Calvary was not sufficient. So you are sending Jesus back to the cross. He can hear them shouting, we need Barabbas, we need Barabbas. And he can hear the nail, he can feel the nail pierce. Boom! Pong! Pong! That, that very graffiti way of, of nailing him the way they did it in the public space. You are putting him back to the pain of the cross, the torture, the torment, the blackmail, the malice, 
the slander. That's what he's saying here. And so you are subjecting him public shame again. Because now, as people that should have represented him right and reached out to the world and shone the light of Christ, the light of the grace, the light of salvation, then now he says, you are instead showing darkness. So people cannot see the value of the cross, the value of Christian salvation, the value as why Jesus went to the cross. The power of the blood they cannot see. You're putting him to shame. Because you are telling the world, look, salvation does not work. The cross has no power. In other words, if you fall back to sin, I will explain all this to you in a moment. Verse 7. Then verse 7 he says, <coughs> excuse me. Verse 7 he says, Land that drinks in rain often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is found, receives the blessing of God. Again, I repeat it for you. Land that drinks in rain often, it's an open, regularly in other words, falling on it, and produces a good crop, a crop useful to those for whom it was found, received blessings from God. Let us look at the contrast then. Verse 8, he says, But the land that produces stone and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cast by God. In the end, it will be thrown into the fire and it will be burned. So what is the Lord saying here? This is our reference scripture, blessed people. And I've read this scripture globally, severally, as I've said. What is the Lord saying to you seated in those churches? And for the bishops and pastors, make sure that this broadcast is very clear, absolutely clear, because these are the words of life, and we may not be able to do this again. That your people, your congregations, may be able to hear this loud and clear and get the instruction of the Lord that they may get to see the glorious kingdom of eternity. And so, what is the Lord saying in the midst of all these celebrations, the visitation of God? And this week we have big celebration on Sunday again here. Bishop Isaiah are coming, Professor Njazi, Professor Ambula, Professor Giteko, all the bishops are coming all across the board. Uh, Bishop Mkali, Ngoma, all Jukres, Jogu, I may not mention them all, are coming to Nairobi, for this grand celebration that the cloud has come, that the cloud of God, Yahweh, that did not come for more than 3,000 years, has now come to these two prophets, to this ministry. But what is he saying in the midst of this visitation? Through this scripture here. And you can see, blessed people, that the Lord is saying, if you look at verse 1 of this Hebrews chapter 1, chapter 6, verse 1 on, He's talking about the conversation that the Lord Yahweh was having with the Hebrew people. He was speaking with them because he saw that some of them were not well perceiving the grace of God, the salvation of the grace of God. And so he was telling them, no, that the grace is sufficient. And that's why he talks about ceremonial washings 
and all these rights. He says no. It's because he saw that some of them wanted to go back, wanted to mix. They wanted to blend the salvation of the grace they had just received, the Hebrew people. They wanted to blend it with their previous worship. And so, he was telling them that the Old Testament, when you look at the Old Testament, it was all pointing to the Christ. In other words, it was all pointing to the Messiah. And it's amazing because today in the dream, before I came to you, in the dream, the Lord spoke to me by voice here. In the dream, that's why I've come to you anyway. And in the dream, as he spoke to me by voice about this scripture, and sent me to you by voice. And he said, everything that is in the Old Testament is absolutely relevant. Absolutely relevant to your salvation of the grace. And so, he was talking to the Hebrew people, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 on. In verse 1, you see, verse 2, 3, he's talking to them, and he's telling them, look, the grace you have received is from Christ Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Anointed One, the Savior of the world that has come and died for your sins. And so, you need not blend it with any other type of worship again that attempts, that attempts to, to put an attempt to put away the grace. That's the conversation you see in verse 1 there, the teaching you talk about. And he's saying there has to be now a movement to maturity. That now the church, the Hebrew church, should move to maturity so that they are not only going back to repentance again, the foundation they had laid, they had already built it. They had already, they had already laid, laid forth. A repentance as the foundation. And so you say you cannot keep wallowing in mud and committing the same sins. There has to be progress towards maturity because Christ will come for a mature bride. But as he was engaged with them in that conversation, then now you see that that conversation became a very critical conversation speaking to the church today, speaking to you that are seated in the altars, in the churches, all over globally. I know you're tuned in Australia, everywhere. New Zealand. Wherever you're tuned in, all of you. My daughter Monica Kang, all of you in Australia. Caro. All of you in New Zealand, rather. Monica Kang. And Caro. Christchurch, New Zealand. And Australia. And the other time zone on the other side, the US. He's talking here in very serious terms. He's saying there would need to be progress towards maturity after people have received the grace. But in that conversation, what comes out very clearly is that he's telling them that there is need to remain steadfast unto the salvation you have received. Because he's telling them that how come you are not aware that salvation of Christ it's a one-way traffic. He's saying that there is no other sacrifice that brings you to heaven except the blood of Jesus and the cross at Calvary, the cross of Jesus. And that's why you see from verse 4, 
then he tells them that it's virtually impossible. Meaning it is not possible. And he says, to who? Listen to the people he's warning here. He's warning about the abuse of the grace. That when you are born again, you may again turn around and reject Jesus. He's saying the following, blessed people, that it is virtually impossible for those who have, number one, been enlightened. Number two, have tasted the heavenly gift. Number three, have shared in the power of the Holy Spirit. Number four, have tasted the goodness of the word of Yahweh, the goodness of the word of God. Number five, they have tasted a glimpse of the powers of the coming kingdom of God, the powers of the coming age. Now, do you see the people he's addressing, blessed people? He's talking about these people, and that these people, if they now decide to go back to mud, to go back to sin, to fall away from faith, fall away from the grace, fall away from salvation, fall away from repentance, and go back to sin, he says, it's virtually impossible. It's absolutely impossible. My Bible uses the word impossible. Not possible. For them to be brought back to repentance. And he gives the reason right there. He says, because to their loss, they are crucifying Jesus again and subjecting him to public shame, subjecting him to public disgrace. I may not present it well in in in, uh, in Spanish, but I think it's called Bruenza. Bruenza. Shame. Public shame. So who are these he's talking to? Who are these people he's, he's warning about the abuse of the grace? Are these born-again people? Are these unborn-again people? Are these the atheists, the people that don't believe in God? Out there, who are these? And I want to warn you today. I want to caution you here that the advent of the gospel of prosperity, and for those of you who did not listen to the sermon I gave when there was a big celebration here, when the senior archbishop was here, with all the senior deputy archbishops, not all of them, quite a number of them here, and then I gave a sermon this past Friday, a long one. And I based it on the book of Luke, chapter 16, 19 to 31. That tremendous scripture regarding Lazarus and the rich man. The scripture that brings to the fore, that brings to reality hell, and to reality heaven, meaning heaven is a real place. Hell is also a real place. And that all the determination you need to make about your eternity is now on the earth. Because you see that the rich man realizes his condition when he's in hell, his situation, that he cannot change his destiny, his location. And so when he sends forth a plea, in his pleading, he's asking Abraham to simply go warn his brothers not to wind up here. He's not telling Abraham to remove him from hell. He realizes Whatever enters hell stays there eternally. So if you did not listen to that sermon, please follow that sermon, because I based it on Ecclesiastes 11, verse 3, 
that whether to the north or to the south, where a tree falls, there it remains forever. So the only opportunity you have before death fails you or before time closes on you is now. You cannot repent in hell because there's no repentance there. And he made it very clear, I made it very clear in that sermon, that those who choose to stay away from God while they're on this earth, the only time we have to prepare for eternity, the only time you have to prepare for eternity is when you are on this earth. When death comes, it's too late. You have decided already your destiny. And he says, again in that sermon I say, that those of you that even if you are in the church, or you are outside the church, or you are born again and you are in the church, and then you choose that you don't want to hear these two prophets, or you don't want to hear the message of righteousness they are instructing unto the nation. The pronouncement on the hour of holiness, meaning you don't want to walk with God, because God is holy. For God to come to them in Kisumu, these must be the holiest prophets walking the earth, holiest beings walking the earth at this hour. So God is holy, there's no question about that. It's in the Bible. And he demands that all people that are his be holy. But he's saying that if you choose apostasy, as you see in many churches all over this country and all over the world today, where they have rejected holiness, rejected righteousness, which are the benchmarks, the yardstick for entry into heaven. And he says, that is like making a formal application to God. It's as though in your life on the earth, a Christian that hates holiness is still infectious in lies, sitting under the teachings of the false prophets, false apostles. He's saying in that condition then, you are like somebody making a formal application before the throne of God. And you are telling God, I don't want to walk with you. I want to separate from you. I want to live a life of separation from you. And I say that what is most astounding and shocking is that God seems to grant, to accept that application and grant it. And that's why when the rich man and Lazarus when the rich man chose to live a life that is separated from God, from the fear of God, from righteousness, from holiness, from reverence to God, the life that is separated from listening to Moses and the prophets. When he chose that on the earth, he inadvertently or deliberately, intentionally, was actually making an application, a request before God that, look, I want to live my life away from you, God, from you, Yahweh, from you, the Lord. And I say, what is most shocking that God granted, he grants it such that he grants it eternally. That's why if you want to live away from me while you're on this earth, you don't want holiness and you're in the church, then even in eternity when you die, you will separate from me, I've granted it. And those that pursue righteousness, listen to Moses and the prophets. The instruction of holiness, reverence, fear of God, righteousness. It's as though they are making an application before God that, Lord, I want to live with you all the time. And he grants that request. He grants the application. 
eternally. So they end up in heaven. That was very clear, blessed people. And that's why I'm now using that reference. I'm referring to that sermon that was given on Friday here to ask you the question. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1, all the way to verse 8, who are these? Who are these that the Lord Yahweh is cautioning and warning on the abuse of the grace? And why is he warning them? Because he says, it is impossible for those, he says the following, he says, those who have been enlightened, those who have tasted the heavenly gift, those who have shared in the Holy Spirit, those who have tasted the goodness of the powers of the coming age and the goodness of the power of the word of God. He defines them there. But I say, be careful with the advent and the dispensation of the gospel of prosperity and the apostasy, this current dispensation of apostasy in the church. Because of apostasy and the gospel that is teaching sweet to the flesh, many times the present day church, they don't want to confront this scripture here. They don't want to clearly define to you who exactly this is, whom Jesus is referring to here, the Lord is referring to. But I can tell you very clearly that these are not the atheists. These are not the unborn again people. Because he says, these are people who are enlightened, meaning they have received the salvation of the grace. They are born again. They are you people sitting in the church. They are people who have tasted the heavenly gift, the Messiah, the gift of God. For God so loved the world that he sent his only one and only begotten gift from heaven to come and redeem man, fallen man. They have tasted the salvation of Jesus. They have tasted a relationship with Christ, the Messiah, their King and Savior. The heavenly gift from heaven, the Messiah. They have shared in the Holy Spirit, meaning they have also received the Holy Spirit. They have been there. They have seen the Holy Spirit reign in Kakamega. They have seen the Holy Spirit reign in Lagos, Nigeria. They have seen the Holy Spirit reign that I commanded to come down in Lima, Peru, in the desert city of the earth. They have seen the Holy Spirit reign that took place in Kisi, Eldamaravil, Nyoro, Kakamega. They have been baptized. They have seen the meetings when God has sent me, and I stretch my arm and I say, touch. And it touched the mold people, and people are baptized, people are healed, people are delivered. They have seen the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, they have tested the goodness of the Word of God. And all that the Word of God pronounces, promises. The power of the Word of God in removing man from a sinful world to become a child of God. From the world of unrighteousness to become now a servant of righteousness. From being a child of Satan to become the child of God, citizen of the world, to become the citizen of heaven. They know the power of the word of God and what the word of God has spoken 
and decreed unto their lives. And he says, they have well perceived the powers of the coming age. In other words, they have seen Christians get up at one decree from Nairobi. When you are gathered in many stadiums, some of them in Ivory Coast, where senior bishop Dr. Matengo is. Some of them in Angola, where senior archbishop uh, Trinidad and Dr. Pedro are. And blind eyes open, they have at my decree here. So they have really seen the power of the coming age, the power that traverses and transcends the physical realm, the laws of the physical realm on this earth. They speak in the coming realm overruling the physical world. So this is the church, blessed people. He's warning the church here, and he tells them that after consuming, after partaking of all this, and then you decide to fall back to sin, it's virtually impossible for you to go back to repentance. And many, many pastors, because of the advent of a apostasy now, the dispensation of the fall. Many, many pastors right now, they fear to point this out to the church and tell them, this is you, God is warning. Because they want to preach a sweet gospel. They don't want to hurt people. They want to preach a gospel that is sweet to you, sweet to your mouth, sweet to your ears, sweet to your tongue, sweet to your flesh. But I submit to you here today that here, hereby, he's warning the church, he's warning you that he's seated at the altar today, on this day, that you have seen the cloud of God. You have seen the God of Elijah do the mega wonders that only happened in the Old Testament. You have seen the cripples get up and walk. And all these miracles and wonders you have seen the messengers of Revelation walking the earth and doing a tremendous, shocking ministration, ministry of God. You have seen how God is very close to them and ministering and announcing to you the glory coming from heaven, pointing on their head, walking with them right there on the altar, and you are recording on video, on your phone, and sharing on social media. And he says, you have seen all this. They say, it is impossible if you decide to fall again. It's impossible for you to come back to repentance. This is such a tremendous warning. He's saying that the present day church, in other words, is behaving as though the first Calvary was not sufficient. It is not sufficient for them. And the way he speaks about it here, you can tell that he's, he's divorcing you, he's divorcing himself from them. He says, for those, huh? he uses, impossible for those, as in the third party, one those, because he believes you cannot do this. He cannot believe you can receive Christ and do that. The Holy Spirit says, for those, 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 meaning one, those people there. He believes you cannot, after seeing the cloud of God. You cannot. He calls it those. T-H-O-S-E. For those. Huh? In 
other words, for you, this should not be you. You cannot. You should never. There is no way for you can do this. And he says that this warning is to the church that then you become, you become as though you are crucifying Jesus again. You are telling Father in heaven, the Father in heaven, look, I am born again, but I'm still in sexual sin. Look, I am born again. I have received the salvation of the grace of Jesus, but I'm still sitting under the teachings of false apostles. Look, I am born again, but I'm still teaching under the lies and the deception of the false prophets. Look, I am born again, but I'm still walking in darkness. I'm still not holy. In other words, look, the first Calvary is not sufficient for me. That's why he says, you are crucifying Jesus again. You are telling the Lord, go back to Calvary. The first one was not enough. And yet the Lord says that there is only one sacrifice acceptable unto the Lord. The ultimate sacrifice that Christ Jesus the Messiah, my Lord, he went to the cross and he died for the sins of men, crucified there in the worst manner ever. That he may redeem you, that whosoever receives him from that point on may not perish, but have eternal life. May not enter hell like the rich man, but enter heaven like Lazarus. And so today, you can see very clearly that all these ministrations, the cloud of God, the creepers are walking in your home. Most of them are in the churches today. The blind eyes have opened. Cynthia Wanjiku, who was born totally, totally blind, is right now under the care of my blessed, sharpest son, first-class son, Bishop Vesak Mutai, down there at Georgia, the university there. And she's now learning violin. She's now preparing to go to university. Born totally blind, now seeing and going to university, now playing violin. He said, all these ministrations you are receiving, they are supposed to bring attention to you that, look, the blood of Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. There is no other. And he's saying that you cannot, in other words, it amounts to blasphemy, for you to receive all that goodness of God, to be enlightened that much, to receive the heavenly gift, to share in the Holy Spirit, to taste the goodness of the Word of God, and to participate in the powers, the glimpse of the powers of the coming age. That when you do that, and then you fall back to sin, you are virtually irredeemable. You cannot be redeemed, because the only sacrifice God has offered for men to be saved, the only name he gave, the name of Jesus, the name above all names, the name alone, that alone can deliver men into heaven, into salvation, you are taken and crushed away. And that's why, if you read on now, verse 7, it says, Land, the land that drinks in rain often falling on it, regular rain falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives blessings from God. 
But the land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cut. In the end, it will be thrown in the fire and set ablaze and burned up. And that's why he says that. He's saying in verse 7, in other words, that when you repent and receive Christ Jesus, it's amazing, blessed people, because he's saying that these two lines he's talking about here, the land he's talking about here, they all receive the same rain, the same rain from heaven. All of you who are seated in that church right now, listening to me, you have received the same rain. Let's look at that rain. That rain is the following. Enlightened, tasted the heavenly gift, shared in the Holy Spirit, have tasted the goodness of the Word of God, tasted the powers of the coming age. That rain is the blessings of God from above. The blessings of God from the throne of Yahweh. The blessings from heaven. That rain is the Holy Spirit. That rain is the grace of God given unto man. That rain is the word of God. And you say it's falling regularly. That rain is the power of the coming kingdom of God. That rain is the miracles, the cripples walking, the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, leprosy cleansed. That rain is the wonders of God, the cloud of God coming to visit this prophet speaking with you, these two messengers of Yahweh. That rain is the mercy of God. That rain is the cloud of God, the rain of Elijah. That rain is everything that you see God is now pouring, opening heaven and pouring the glory, the light of God, pouring into the earth. And all of you seated in the church, right now listening to me, you have received that rain. And he says, he says it here, verse 7. The land that drinks in rain often, regularly, meaning the rain is not limiting. Ever since heaven opened, that rain is not limited. He says regularly, often, it is pouring all the time. Pouring all the time to each one of you tuned in listening to me in the church today. Even in Yaya Kilimani. All of you, it has rained on you. That rain. The rain of Kakamega. The rain in Lima, Peru. The rain in Lagos, Nigeria. The rain in Eldana Rafin, in Kisi. That rain has fallen on you even in Italy. That rain has fallen in the church. All of you tuned in. You have been rained on. But it's amazing that when the same rain, with the same intensity, with the same frequency, regularly, often, falls on people, then you get two products, two types of people, two types of fruits. He's saying when the rain is falling, you cannot tell. You cannot tell who is going to heaven. But he's saying now from their fruit, because he says in verse 8, but the land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless 
as in danger of being crushed by God, it will be thrown into the lake of fire. So you can imagine these two types of soil, these two types of ground, these two types of, 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 of place, person. The same rain is falling on you. Even now, as I speak, you are all receiving the same instruction. Even those who cannot understand English, there is a Spanish translation going on. Those who cannot understand Chinese, there is a live Chinese going on, live Korean. Swahili will come today. Before the day ends, you will hear Swahili translation. So the same rain, the same instruction is pouring on each and every soil. Every person is the soil, the ground, seated in the church, tuned in wherever you are. But it's amazing, isn't it amazing that when you give it a little time now and then you see the fruit, you get two types of fruit. One of them produces vegetation, vegetables, beautiful vegetation, green, meaning it's healthy, meaning flourishing, meaning favor of God, meaning productive, profitable, useful, good for food, sustaining life. You see the fruit they produce vegetation. And the other one produces thorns and thistles, meaning the curse of God that you see in Genesis chapter 3. The judgment of God essentially, no wonder, no wonder must be thrown into fire. Hey! He's talking about the piece of land that is your heart, that is you. And the rain is regular. And one produces good vegetation, useful product, good fruit, the fruit of repentance, the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of holiness. And the other one produces corn, meaning not valuable at all, not treasure, not profitable, not, not useful, cannot sustain life, injurious, injurious. And you see in the book of Genesis chapter 3, if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, this is what he says. Genesis chapter 3, it says the following, verses 17 to 19. The book of Genesis chapter 3, I get there now. There you go now. 17, he said, to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree of which I commanded you, thou shalt not eat from it. Cast is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it. All the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. Until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For thus thou art. And to dust you will return. 
Look at that. Do you now understand, blessed people, when he says the warning on the abuse of the grace at such a critical hour when the cloud of God has visited, when Jehovah Yahweh has visited his most tremendous and the most deadly prophets of the earth, the ones who are, are threatening to shut down the earth now. South Korea, no churches today. People cannot gather. Shut down China. Shut down even Italy. Ten cities today are on lockdown. No flights going. Everybody's trembling. The U.S., everybody's fearing. Israel also has shut down. They don't want to see Chinese enter now. Or South Koreans or anybody from that area. Every country's on edge. Did you understand? When God the Father has visited these tremendous prophets, these two messengers of Yahweh, at such a time when cripples are walking in their largest numbers, thousands of cripples in Kenya are walking. Even in Finland, walking still. Even dyslexia is healed in Finland. All the way, South Korea, the head that was broken was healed. Everywhere you go down, all the way to, to Angola, to, 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 to all the way to, to um, Ivory Coast. The cloud of God has come. Then he's saying, at this hour you cannot. You cannot again fall away because he's saying, so much rain has come on you. The message of righteousness is rain on his own marriage. The message of the holiness of the grace of Jesus. The time to return to repentance is a rain on its own. The tremendous flow. Look at what happened also in Namibia. Cripples get up and walk. Mozambique, cripples got up and walk. Cripples, blind, deaf. You are partaking of the rain. And he's saying that it's amazing that the same rain falls at this hour. Then you get two products, two fruits. But one of them is the vegetation, the vegetable, the green, the green leaves and flourishing, meaning healthy, meaning valuable, treasured, useful to the Lord. And on the other, you get the thistles, the cast, the cast of sin. Zero value. And they say we'll be thrown into hell fire and set ablaze. Hey. So look at these blessed people. The Lord undergoes this in very tremendous terms. Look at the book of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, blessed people, verse 15. You could read 13 to 15. I read 15. The book of Luke chapter 10, turn with me there. Look at what it says. From 13 to 15 it says, Woe unto you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have sat down and repented a long time ago, sitting in sackcloth 
and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you, Corazin and Bethsaida. Verse 15 he says, done for you. Verse 11 he says, let me read it. It will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon. Again he says, verse 14, but it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. Then verse 15. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to heaven? No. You will go down to hell. This is tremendous, blessed people. So when the Lord is warning in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 all the way to verse 10, verse 9, whichever way you go, verse 8, warning on the abuse of the grace. And he's saying that there is a rain that has fallen regularly from the throne of God. The rain that has brought enlightenment, enlightenment to everybody listening to me. In other words, the salvation of Jesus, salvation of the grace, removing people from darkness. A rain that has allowed everybody the opportunity to taste the heavenly gift, the Messiah, the Holy Spirit. The redemption of God. A rain that has brought you the tasting, you have tasted the gift of the Holy Spirit. A rain that has allowed you to taste the power of the word of God and the power of the coming age. A rain that has revealed to you the God of Elijah, the blessings from above, the blessings of God, blessings from heaven, Holy Spirit, grace of God, word of God, power of the coming kingdom, miracles, wonders, salvation, mercy, cloud of God. All of these things. And he says, that rain falling on all of you, all of you tuned in. And then you decide to fall away. You decide to become a apostate, go into apostasy, back to sin. Then he compares you now to the cities of Korazin and Bethsaida, and the city of Capernaum. You all know that Capernaum was very beloved. Until Jesus called it the town of Jesus, the hometown. He chose it as home ground. In other words, there was heavenly favor on Capernaum. They saw the cripples. They saw the blind. They are all cripples. That's why I'm talking to you, Kenya. They saw the Lord. That's why I'm talking to you, Kenya. And the nation. They saw the cripples walking. Their own cripples in Capernaum. Their own blind eyes opened. Their own deaf began to hear. Their mute spoke. The Messiah was there himself. And he gave them favor. 
He called it the city of God. He called it the hometown of Jesus. When he moved away from Nazareth, from Nazareth, in Hebrew they say Nazareth. Hey! They were given heavenly favor, like somebody that I know who is seated in the church right now. The gospel was given to them. The blessed gospel of the light of Jesus, the gospel of redemption, the gospel of salvation, the glorious gospels were given to Capernaum. The miracles were there to affirm that this messenger is from God. Heaven has come down here. You have been lifted into heaven, meaning heaven has come down to you. Heaven has become yours. Heaven has favored you. It reminds me of somebody sitting in the land called Kenya. It reminds me of a generation sitting and tuned in in Italy now, from Pennsylvania, Paradise Altar, all the way down to Christ Church, Melbourne, Australia, all of you tuned in. Malaysia, Singapore, South Korea, sitting and listening to this. You have seen the wonders of God. The miracles of God. You have seen things that tell you that you have been taken to heaven. Heaven has come to you. You have seen the resurrection of the dead body. Rot and thinking. And he says that the city of Capernaum had that disposition of favor from God. This position of love upon her. But it's very sad that she voluntarily, voluntarily, like somebody I know now sitting here, voluntarily chose to despise the grace of Jesus, to abuse the grace of Jesus, to blaspheme Jesus. To blaspheme the messengers of the gospel. To slander the messenger of God. To look upon him with scorn, mockery, slander, ridicule. In the face of all this blessing. In other words, did not treasure the grace that came to them. And yet when you look at the pronouncement of the prophet, the bar, the word, the pronouncement of the prophet, the bar in Hebrew. But the bar in Hebrew, you speak Hebrew, the bar, when the prophet Isaiah spoke in Isaiah chapter 9. And he said, the land of Naphtali, the land of Zebulun, all this area in the Galilee of the Gentiles, Living under the shadow of death, meaning death has overshadowed them, has blocked them from the light of God, from the presence of God. Then he says the light has dawned. If you look at the pronouncement that brought the Messiah, they were in darkness, then the Messiah brought the light. How can you then begin to despise black men? Slander, mock, look upon it scornfully. 
despising the grace, abusing the grace, blackmailing the grace. How? And he's saying that they are doomed, they are doomed, their judgment will be worse, will be unbearable, dreadfully unbearable. In fact, he compares it with Sodom. He says, Sodom, the judgment that came upon the people of Sodom will now become bearable. It will be more bearable than the judgment that will come to a people that it has rained on them. Heaven has rained on them. They are sitting in the altars today. Rain has come. The physical Holy Spirit rain translated into physical droplets. And we have danced in the rain in Kisumu. We have danced together, raining only around the stadium. Raining in Kakamega. Raining in Nigeria, Lagos. Lima, Peru. Everywhere that I have gone to and decreed rain. And Amaravin and Kisi. The rain of the creepers walking. The rain of the tremendous, that glory of God that these two prophets we are sent to bring to you. And then you turn your back to that grace of God. You begin to blackmail the prophets of Yahweh. Begin to slander them. Begin to paint them with dirt. Begin to paint their mission. Begin to paint the glory of the salvation of Jesus. They are brought to restore the church. Already the church was in apostasy, in darkness, immorality, abortion, everything. And then you turn around, after now you see the cloud of Yahweh that did not even come ever since Jesus went to the cross and resurrected. Did not come, only came in the Old Testament. You see these two prophets calling God Yahweh, what you just watched in your churches today. And we will watch them every Sunday until Messiah comes as our thank you to the Lord. But he says that when such tremendous visitation and rain from heaven, heaven is open, is pouring on you. You ought to be producing the fruit of vegetation, flourishing, favor with God, Aaron's budded road with, with leaves, God's anointing, God's light in you, useful to the Lord, useful to your, to your fellows on the earth, green and lush and healthy. But for you to abuse the grace, reject the grace after it has rained on you, become a blackmail and an abuser. He says, now producing tons and pieces, he says, we'll be thrown into the lake of fire. And so, he developed such a synonym, a parallel with Capernaum, Bethsaida, Chorazin. The cities that saw the greatest wonders of God. Then he says, you shall now go down to hell. Hey! Did you understand the warning that the cloud of God has brought this generation? Until it rained around the tent in Kisumu. We danced in the rain. We danced in the rain plus people from all nations. 
like one of the professors in Kisumu. And I told him, no, you sit here, it will rain on you. I was shocked. He was in the rain dancing. Meaning everybody can recognize the Lord. Hey! How can it rain on you? How? Can that rain of heaven, the creepers walking, the cloud coming, God the Father himself, the blind can see, 87 stadiums, one command, and the fire of the Holy Spirit, sweet people in 87 stadiums, at the exact instant, no time difference, no spatial limitation. How then? How? How can you now produce tons and pieces and bound for hell, headed to hell? And he says in Matthew chapter 3, blessed people, Matthew chapter 3, the warning the Lord is laying upon you, seated in the churches, partaking of the glory of God, partaking of the visitation of Yahweh. Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, he says, Again, verse 7, it says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brutes of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Verse 8, Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Look at that. He's saying, in the book of Hebrews chapter 6, our lead scripture today, verses 1 to verse 10, or 9, whichever way you want, he's saying that for rain, for them, upon whom heaven has invested so much, the Son of the living God himself, then he added the latter glory, then he added the miracles, then he added the wonders, of the collision of the neutron stars, 520 million light years away. Wonders, miracles, blessings, cloud of God, rain of Elijah, creepers walking, deaf can see, blind can see, wombs that were blocked have babies who are walking today, they are walking. They are alive. Creepers walk to church today. He says, you must prove, produce fruit. You must be fruitful. You must produce fruit in keeping with that rain. That rain of the glory, the rain of repentance. And he says, Hebrews chapter 10. Same thing. Warning a generation. Warning a people. Not to be complacent. Not to be like a Pernawom. Not to receive all this rain and blessing and wind up in hell. I know we are celebrating the cloud of God. This week is even greater. The celebration will be much higher this week. At the head offices here. They are going to come, the bishop, the senior most. It will be on Friday now. Celebrating the visitation of the Lord Yahweh to his two prophets. But while you are celebrating and partaking and observing and being part of this, 
What is the message to you? What is the instruction? He says, Hebrews chapter 10, 26, 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left. But look at verse 27, it's good for you. But only a fearful expectation of the judgment of God and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely then do you think a man deserves to be punished? A man who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an holy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, who has insulted and abused and blackmailed and mocked and slandered the Spirit of grace. For we know him who says, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a horrendous thing, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God judging you. Look at that. The Lord repeats it in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. When you look at verse 26 and 27, and also 31 down there. He says, after all this that you have seen, it has rained on you. It has rained on this generation. The rain of the Holy Spirit. The rain of the cloud of God has fallen upon this generation. This church. The body of Christ of the present day. The other generation passed by, did not have this rain fall on them. The latter rain of God is here. The two prophets of God have brought the latter rain of heaven, the latter rain of the Lord, the rain of Yahweh, until God the Father himself has come down in that visitation. The rain that has fallen on you. Then he says, if you then sit in that church, with all the above, notwithstanding, and go back to sin deliberately. Then look at what he says there. He says nothing else except the fire, fire, the judgment of raging fire, like Kaperinawom. Oh, how he bemoaned Kaperinawom. And the Lord is saying, don't make a mistake. Let your wisdom not fail you. Let your wisdom never fail you on this one. This one is critical. So if you came to the church for the first time today, you are a visitor sitting in the altars, and you watch the visitations of Yahweh decreed by this prophet speaking with you. Now you understand the message behind this church. The message underneath this visitation. It's a message of purity. It's a message of return to holiness. It's a message of righteousness. It's a message of repentance and living a holy life, preparing the way in your heart 
The Messiah is coming. And he says, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. And many preachers of prosperity, they tend to turn this around. They want to turn it and make it a sweet gospel. They say, that is not you, the church. If that is not you, who is this is saying deliberately? Meaning you have been redeemed before. You have known the way of righteousness. The reign of God has fallen on you. And then you've turned around and became a prophet. John chapter 15. What is the Lord saying? What is he saying to this generation? The generation so beloved, they have seen the cloud of Yahweh. Hey! John chapter 15, I'm reading verse 5 all the way to verse 8. You can read as much as you want on your own time. And he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, isn't that the church? Isn't that the church? So why do your false preachers and false prophets, false apostles, always pretend, they pretend, and they project this scripture to mean those who are not born again? Because they always lie to you. They say, don't worry, once you're born again, God does not see your dressing. God does not see your what? No. It is right here. Hebrews chapter 6 is warning the church. And now you see from John 15 verse 5, it says, if you remain in me, meaning right, right away, you are already in him. You are already born again. You were already born again. He's only saying, if you now remain in that salvation, in that relationship of holiness, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Look at that. Meaning, the other church that received the same rain, the last of rain is not the reason for the thorns and the thistles. No, absolutely no. The lack of rain is not is not the reason for one person producing thorns and thistles. Oh, you know, I didn't have rain. Oh, maybe those ones received sufficient rain. He's saying the rain is falling regularly. From the throne of God, Yahweh, my friend, Jehovah Elohim, my friend, Jehovah Yahweh, my best friend, my only friend. And everybody is being rained on, but there are two fruits. One of them gives the vegetation, which talks about the fruit of life, everlasting life. The nourishing, life-giving spirit of God is nourishing them. So they are bearing green leaves, flourishing with good life. They are healthy spiritually. They are headed to heaven. They have life. And the other one, thorns and thistles, 
One is vegetation, green and lush, flourishing, favor of God, well fed, useful to God, treasured, clean, pure. The other one is impure, sinful, to be judged. And he says, if you remain in him, you'll bear that good fruit. And much fruit, even quantity. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Meaning, it rains on all of you, but some of you, you go on to reject Jesus. But you might ask, how do I reject Jesus? I am in the church. I'm listening to you now. I'm listening to the instruction of God when he spoke with you by voice this time. How then did I reject Jesus? He said, when you rejected the instruction of holiness, when you rejected the instruction on righteousness, when you rejected the warning to turn away from sin, turn away from lies, when you rejected the command that you should walk away from false prophets, that you should never sit under the teachings of false apostles, when you rejected all of the above, it is I, Jesus, you rejected. So he essentially placed your application before me that, look, I want to live a life of separation from you. And he granted it. Verse 6, the book of John 15, verse 6, he says, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and with us, such branches are picked up and thrown into the lake of fire and burned forever. Do you now understand the warning the Lord brings forth in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 to verse 8, verse 9 also? What is the Lord saying to you? He's saying that the ministration of the gospel, the glorious gospel to mankind requires that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and remain in holiness, remain in Him. That there is no wavering in this gospel, in this redemption of God. He says, when you remain as Christians, when you remain in Jesus, you essentially uphold righteousness and holiness. And then you become Christ-like. That is how you become Christ-like. That's how people can see you and know that these are the followers of Christ. These ones are the followers of Christ Jesus, the Messiah. When you remain in him, the book of Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, We are better for Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal to this generation, to the world, through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, therefore, Be reconciled to God. 
look at that now. He's saying that when all this goodness is flowing on you, flowing into the church, flowing into the body of Christ, the rain is falling into this generation. There is responsibility. There is a requirement that you must now remain in Christ even further. You must be more steadfast. That's why I gave you the title, Remaining Steadfast Unto the Lord. When I began the first words, I said that today I want to talk about remaining steadfast unto the Lord. Why? Because you have an advantage now. You have an advantage here. The rain has fallen on you. The cloud has come. Creepers are walking. The blind are seen. The two prophets are walking here. And remember, don't forget, don't forget the book of Luke chapter 16, 19 to 31, that I shared with you before the celebration here last Friday. When I say, Jesus himself in red, the, the words are in red, he tells the rich man, say, Lord, please, he's talking to Abraham, please send somebody. Send Lazarus, warn my brother, he say, no, 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 don't worry. There are Moses down there and the prophet. And I said there is no better scripture befitting of a generation like now because the two prophets are walking here. They're commanding heaven to open. They're striking with locusts, striking with coronavirus, striking with the plague of darkness. In I said, in other words, the Lord Jesus relinquished. He relinquished the authority and said, no, you must listen to the prophet. Then you have salvation in heaven. I have already finished the job and sent them down there. In other words, you are saying, whosoever does not listen to my prophet, he can never, ever believe the gospel. He says, no, there is no need sending somebody from the dead. There is no need resurrecting Lazarus and sending him. The two prophets are there already. Let them listen to the prophets. They will see eternity. And that is very powerful in the context of this hour when the ministration of God is reigning on the earth. And John chapter 6, he says, if you turn with me John chapter 6, why does it rain on the same church? Why does it rain on all of you? And then some of you produce good vegetation, treasure, value. And the others, thistles and thorns, and are thrown into the lake of hell, the lake of fire. <coughs> Excuse me. Why? Why does that happen to this generation? John chapter 6. I'm reading verses 39 to 40 around there, 41, 40. He says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For it's my father's will, for my father's will is that everybody, everyone, who looks to the Son and believes him shall have everlasting life, eternal life. And I'll raise them up at the last day. 
Look at that. Again, the preachers of this world, the posted preachers, have attempted to use this scripture here to bring complacency to the church, to make people complacent. Just sit and do what you want. Don't worry. He says, whoever has come to salvation, oh, that is his, will not be taken away. Yes, he says so. However, you must be very careful because the same Jesus talks about the blotting of the name of some people from the book of life. And not blotting some name from the book of life. Others will blot away. Others will keep in the book of life. The ledger, the register, the book that has Huduma number for every citizen of heaven. They're blotting away and they're not blotting away. Be careful now. You cannot go into complacency. The Lord is pleading with this generation and asking you to take advantage of this rain, the visitation upon you. And he compared, he compared Sodom, Tyre, and Sidon. He said, you that have received the rain of God, the favor of God, the visitation of God, your judgment will make that one of Sodom and Gomorrah much more bearable. It will look like nothing. Because of this rain that you see in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. That rain that falls on you that you may be fruitful. The rain you saw in Kisumu, December 22nd. The rain we danced under ever since that rain in Kakamega. The rain in Lima, Peru. How have the Peruvians lived? How have the citizens of the earth lived? How have the church Walked her life after the rain of Lima, Peru. It rained gold and rained crystals from heaven. How have you walked? And he says, Tyre and Sidon were destroyed totally and totally ruined by commercial prosperity. Look at that now. That is what caused them to lose the grace that had been poured on them. Tyre and Sidon, these are ethnic cities I'm talking about. But I'm talking about Corazina, I beg your pardon. Corazina and Bethsaida and Capernaum, they became commercial centers. They were totally ruined by commercial prosperity that had also ruined Tyre and Sidon. Commercial prosperity totally destroyed Tyre and Sidon, the 80 cities, commercial cities. People are going there every night. There are so many guests in the town. If you look at the motels, the hotels, the inns, those hostels were full of merchants. They have arrived, and there were women there in prostitution servicing that industry. It was bad. It was terrible. They are changing a lot of money in prostitution. Homosexuality was there. But he's saying, for them, they did not receive any rain. But if you look at Korazin, Bethsaida, 
Capernaum. They received the rain, the rain of God. How can they now also produce thorns and thistles? That's why he said, for them their judgment will be worse than that of Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah. Because we know that Sodom and Gomorrah was sunk by God with fire because of the violent pollution that happened there. The immorality that took place there. The violent pollution. The corruption of the time. And then he says, if you look at the judgment of the doom, the fierce one, the deadly one, the fearful one, the dreadful doom that is coming upon God's people who are just normal, receiving the grace, sitting in the churches, listening to me today. Rain is falling on you, receiving the grace, accepting God. And then you decide to deliberately, intentionally become malicious, rejecting Jesus, rejecting the grace of holiness, rejecting the grace of salvation. He says, then your judgment will become absolutely unbearable and unendurable. You cannot endure. It will never be, it will be, you can, nobody can endure that judgment. It will make the other judgments less. When the cloud of God, these two prophets can call God down in your eyes. When God can point the pillar of his glory through the sun, white pillar and settle on my head, and I move around like this, like this, and you record in your phone, when the cripples in your home get up, where hospitals were defeated, had abandoned you. Your blind feet, that fear, mute feet, leprosy cleansed. The uterus that had been removed and thrown away, God created a new uterus until she bears the baby. Until the American doctor come up, a white doctor, American doctor, come up and say, this is a wonder. I'm the one who operated and removed this uterus here from Winnipeg. That after seeing all these wonders, you have been enlightened, have received the heavenly gift, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power of the word of God, the powers of the coming age, the miracles, the wonders. Then you deliberately, intentionally, maliciously begin now to go back to sin and reject the grace and the Savior. Your doom of judgment is worse. Totally unbearable. The same thing was with Capernaum. Capernaum was exalted the way you are exalted today. Many nations are looking at you, oh, they lost, they, they, they long to be you. The cloud of God is here. You open Jesus, his Lord radio.info, and you see the historic visitation only seen in the Old Testament. The preachers all over the world are crying. They say, Worry, God has kept us. The Lord has chosen his servant. God is visiting the other side. And you are sitting here and then deliberately, intentionally and maliciously, reject Jesus. Remember, Capernaum was exalted like you are. It became the town of Jesus, hometown. 
Jesus Christ came to her. The light of the gospel came to Capernaum. The privileges of God came to Capernaum. The privileges of heaven came to Capernaum. The miracles of God were done in Capernaum more than anybody else. The wonders of God reigned in Capernaum. Thousands, thousands, you turn around and go back to sin after the cloud of God the Father has visited this dreadful prophet, the holiest, holiest prophet of God in Kisumu, the ones that call God the Father, and he comes running saying, I have been called, I gotta go, I gotta go, I have been called. Nimeitwa. How then you see all these wonders and then begin to fall away and produce Thorns and thistles, and yet your neighbor, your next door neighbor sitting in the church today begins to produce the lush vegetation, the flourishing, the blossoming of God, the life of God, everlasting life, the eternity of God, the treasure of God, salvation of Jesus. How? And so he says, be careful. Some of you receive the same rain. And you produce nothing good. Nothing good at all. No good at all. The thistles and the thorns. No blessings at all. The thistles and the thorns. No fruit at all. The thistles and the thorns. Only the curse of God. Look at Matthew chapter 7 verse 16. Matthew chapter 7 verse 16. And this is a message I have prepared for the public lecture at the Jomo Kenyatta University of Agriculture and Technology. And God spoke to me by voice this night on this message, by voice. By voice. And I saw myself talking to you in the churches. And yes, we will preach it at Jomo Kenyatta, even greater. Matthew chapter 7, blessed people. Turn with me to verses 16 to 20. He says, Matthew seven sixteen to 20, he says, By their fruit, you recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does good, sorry, every tree that does not bear good, good fruit, is cut down. Again, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the lake of fire. Therefore, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Look at that now. And he's saying that right now in the church, 
All of you seated and wherever globally I see I see hundreds of cities tuned in. Wherever you are tuned in right now, the same rain is falling on you. And he's talking about these two types of soil. One of them when the rain fell regularly, the rain was the same for all. Gave wonderful fruit, pleasing to the Lord, vegetation, life, salvation, eternal life, everlasting life, treasure, connected to God, connected to Jesus. But the other, the other ground gave birth, same rain, gave birth to tons and thistles. And he says now, wherever you are in the churches, by your fruit, God will know you. The world will know you. And he's saying, from our reference scripture of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 to verse 9, he's saying that each of those two soils, those two grounds that receive the rain from heaven, same rain, they are the same capacity to be fruitful, except for the corruption of the hearts of men, that one of them decided, one of them now decided that I will leave Jesus. I don't want holiness. I am an overseer in this ministry, but I will start blackmailing the two prophets of Yahweh. I am a pastor in this ministry. I am a right reverend in this ministry, but I will just walk out of the ministry and look for my own things financially or whatever. He says it is the condition of the heart. The rain is the same falling on both soils. The rain falling on you in the churches right now is the same, all of you seated there. But how come one produces the wonderful lush, blossoming vegetation, flourishing, and the other thorns and thistles? Be careful now. Make sure the enemy does not lie to you. It is beautiful here. And he says, he's in danger of God's curse in the fire of everlasting damnation. Become fallen from faith and broken by, by, by the world, by the lie of the devil. If you look at the book of Second Timothy, blessed people, Second Timothy, Second Timothy, chapter three. Second Timothy, chapter three. Hallelujah. I first begin by reading the book of Titus, chapter one. I'm reading verse ten on. Then I come to Second Timothy because I want to squeeze in as much. It says. For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those who are of the circumcision group. They must be silenced because they are disrupting the whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach. And he says, and that for the sake 
of dishonest gain we do that. He's talking about liars. Christians are always liars. He's saying that there are liars. There are people who are perpetual liars called false prophets. Their prophecies have never been fulfilled. False apostles, they are sweet tongues, sweet tongues. And they go around impregnating girls in sexual sin in the church. Their tongues are too weak. They cannot pronounce righteousness. I mean, you can understand if they were in sexual sin, bringing pregnancies to girls, worship leaders, women, whatever in the church, that level of sexual sin, before the Lord sent the two prophets to prepare the way, you can understand because everybody had fallen anyway. And he promised that he would restore the church. He would restore the fallen tent. But for the two prophets to come, and the cloud of God to come, and the glory to come, and the creepers to walk, and all this evidence of the reign of God to fall upon the church, and then continuing that sin, he says, it's vital and forgivable. There is no more repentance available. He says, no more sacrifice for sin. And then he says, Second Timothy right next door, right there. Second Timothy chapter 3. The church that received the same visitation, but then turns away all of a sudden, like a pernawom, exalted into heaven, seeing the cloud of God, dancing in the cloud in Kisobo, and the rain of heaven falling on you, and then you go back to sexual sin, lies, sitting before the false prophet. He says, this is your condition. But mark this, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 on. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Again, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, meaning very immoral, name it, what you see in the church today, even today as we speak in Nairobi here, all over Kenya, no self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Sometimes in the churches they even bring comedians, some entertainment. In some churches the US, they even play some secular music for people to dance. Lovers of pleasure. Hey. And forgetting the mission of salvation, mission of Christ. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. You have nothing to do with such people, he says. Entertainment, he says. Verse 6, he says, They are the kind of worms that warm their ways into the homes, people's homes, and gain control over gullible women who are loaded 
down with sin and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Verse 7, always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved mind who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far. Because as the case of those men, Janus and Jambre, their folly will be clear to everybody. So he's saying that their judgment will be public for rejecting the grace after the rain has fallen. After heaven has invested so much to a generation that so much needs Jesus, and the rain has come to you to flourish you, to empower you, that you may reach the dying world, the perishing world. Then you decide to fall back to sin in that university. Back to sin in those churches where you are sitting now. He says, you won't get far. God will judge you and you will see the lake of fire. And he says, in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, blessed people, still talking about the church. The church that he won in the book of Hebrews chapter 6. Verses 1 to verse 9. Remember, that is our reference scripture. That is where we are referring today. Romans chapter 1, verse 28. I can begin 24. And he says, Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who forever is to be praised. Amen. Again, Romans chapter 1, verse 26 says, Because of this, God gave them over. I'm talking about people that are sitting in the church today, and it has rained on you. The cloud of God has come. You have watched it. The judgment of the Lamb, the judgment of Elijah you have watched, the coronavirus, the locust. You have seen all these things. South Korea today, they told the churches not to attend church today. They fear they cannot meet in groups. In Italy, 10 cities were shut down. China, the biggest country, is on lockdown. And the Lord told me that more people have died underground, underneath. What they are reporting is less. You have seen this tremendous rain from heaven. The rain in Kisumu. Cloud of God. People are walking. The blankets. And push and collide them. A neutron size hotter than the sun by far. Then you see the wonder. He goes and he push one, and he says one is larger. And when it does happen, the scientists report 
That's for the first time we have seen a larger neutral star and one smaller. These are the wonders of the rain that has come to you. How then? How then can you now fall away from repentance, fall away from holiness, and begin to produce thorns and thistles? That's what he's talking about here. 26. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations to a natural one. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received, their, received for themselves their due penalty for their errors. Verse 28, which is our target. Furthermore, just that they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God after the rain, just as they did not think it, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. So God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what they ought not to do, what ought not to be done. So he's saying, be careful. The reason he says that you are seated in that church and the same rain is falling on your neighbor and you. And your neighbor begins to produce the good truth. He says, no bad tree can produce good truth. In other words, no orange tree can produce lemon. No good tree can produce bad fruit. He says there is something about the condition of the heart. Your neighbor produces good, lush, blossoming vegetation. Good for the Lord, honorable to Him. Good for the one that farmed it, the purpose for which He farmed that land. And the second soil is you, and you now want to fall away back to sexual sin, laughing at women, women laughing at men, huh? going about eating under the teachings of false prophets, attempting to slander Nabi, Wanabi, Wamungu, attempting to blackmail the two prophets of God who have only brought. The benefit to Kenya. Their cripples have walked. In 2013, they stood like this and peace reigned until today. It became a unique peace. And common peace. Hey. He says, you cannot. Otherwise, God will abandon you as your sin. In verse 28. He says, you cannot see this rain and feel it and realize the enlightenment of God to be enlightened, to receive the heavenly gift, to receive the Holy Spirit, the power of the Word of God, power of the coming age, as we have seen in Hebrews chapter 6. And then openly show contempt to the Lord Jesus by showing contempt to His mightiest prophets. You cannot. Because the prophets are sent on His behalf Loaded with the instruction of Yahweh God the Father to help you and deliver you to heaven. And he says, no, I'm not sending Lazarus. Let them listen to Moses and the prophets. They are there. Let them listen to them. Then they will enter heaven. He transferred the power to them. How? How can you then listen to the oracles of the holiness of Jesus? 
Matthew chapter 5. Till the warning in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. Now we are in Matthew chapter 5. Excuse me. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, he says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You understand why the thorns and the thistles, those who produce them, must be thrown into the lake of fire. And when you read that scripture, we read Hebrews chapter 6. When you now read from verse 7 to 8, you can read 1 to 9, but 7 to 8 says, He brings fire and He burns the land, that soil, plus the product of the soil. He sets both Christians on fire, in the lake of fire, together with their sin. He judges sin or Satan, whoever it is, that gave them the thistle. And so now, he's saying, you cannot, like a pair in a womb, you cannot. The rain has fallen on you from on high. The rain of heaven has come. You cannot lose your saltiness anymore. If you lose your saltiness, what is it that can be used to make you salty again? If you lose the sabor, the flavor of your saltiness, what is it that can be used by God to flavor you again? When salt, salt was the highest flavor. That's why he says to be trampled and trashed away. Zero tolerance to a postcard at this hour. The Lord is talking about zero tolerance to a postcard at this hour. In the church, zero tolerance to a postcard, he says. The book of Luke chapter 14. Turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 14, blessed people. As we begin to wind down this message of God. Five, six scriptures to go and then wind it down. Luke chapter 14, verse 34. And it says, salt is good, but if it loses, it is saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil, nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Oi! He's warning the church. He's warning you people, blessed people, that it has rained on you. You must now produce the fruit consistent with the rain, the rain of the Holy Spirit, the rain of the latter visitation. And he says, Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, all the way to 12, he says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brutes of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. 
and do not think you can say unto yourself, we are Abraham, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe, the shoka, the axe is already at the foot of the tree. And every tree that does, does not produce good fruit, again, the axe is already at the foot of the tree. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the lake of fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not even worthy of feet to carry. He will baptize you the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will clear his threshing flour, gathering the wheat into the barn, and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire in the lake of fire. The lake of fire. Unquenchable fire. The Lord is warning on apostasy. It is raining now. Make sure you remain in Jesus that he may make you fruitful, blossom, flourish, have everlasting life by staying away from sin, by having zero tolerance to sin, by rejecting sin, by renouncing apostasy, denouncing the sinful apostasy that you see on this day in the church. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. He says, The one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white. And I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life. But I will acknowledge his name before my father and his angel. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord says to the churches. He's saying, the rain is falling. The rain of Hebrews chapter 6. Verses 1 to verse 9. It is falling on all of you seated in the church today. Meaning all of you have the capacity to produce the vegetation, the flourishing, to blossom, the good fruit, the fruit of everlasting life, eternal life, the fruit of evangelism, the fruit of reverence to God, the fruit of wisdom of God, the fruit of the fear of God, the fruit of the righteousness of God, the fruit of the holiness of God. If you cannot remain in Jesus, remain in holiness. And he says, in that way, you are, you are victorious, you are an overcomer, and you will not blot your name out of the book of life, which is the ledger, the list, the document, the register of the citizens of heaven, the book that has the Uduma number for everybody that enters heaven. And he says, but for those 
that will fall away when it is the same rain you've received, that you have the same propensity, capacity to produce the same fruit consistent with the rain, and you turn around and go back to sin, sexual love, pornography, sexual sin, lies, false teachers, false prophets, false religion, apostasy. Then he says, you will blot out your name from the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, and you throw you to the lake of fire. What a warning to this generation, blessed people. God is warning you that have sat and danced under the reign of God. It is raining the latter reign of God. The latter reign of the Holy Spirit is raining. It is falling. Falling right now. And the Lord is asking you, exhorting you, to remain steadfast. That's why when I first began today, I said my message is remaining steadfast unto the Lord in the face of this humongous visitation. The book of Psalm, Psalm 69, I'm reading verses 2 to 8, it says, Psalm 69, blessed people, I'm reading verse 28, not 2 to 8, 28. It says, May they be blotted out of the book of life, and not be listed, not be listed with the righteous. Again. May they be blotted out of the book of life, and not be listed with the righteous. Why? For they persecute those who are wounded. They do evil. Why am I reading this to you, blessed people? Because I want to underscore that in that scripture of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 to verse 9, warning a generation on whom the latter rain has fallen and is still falling. To warn you that be careful. There is nothing like permanent redemption. It ain't over until you have entered heaven. Even if your name is in the Lamb's book of life, it can still blot out your name when you fall away and begin to blackmail him, despise the grace. Abuse the grace. Look upon the grace scornfully with mockery and slander and blackmail. Blackmail the blessings of rain from heaven, from above. Blackmail the blessings of God. Blackmail the blessings from heaven. The blessings of the Holy Spirit, of the grace, of the word of God, of the power of the coming age, the miracles, the wonder. The salvation of the grace, the mercy of God, the righteousness of the cloud of God, the blessings of the cloud of Yahweh, the blessings of the reign of Elijah, the blessings of the cripples that these two prophets have raised in order to reestablish the authority of the cross and the blood. He says, then you blot your name out. 
He says, like Capernaum, they were the favorites of heaven. You too are the favorites of heaven right now. Because like no other generation, you have been visited historic. Capernaum were the favorites of heaven. They were favored by heaven. Then the pride and the haughtiness of people, of mankind, entered their hearts and they began to mock. They voluntarily decided to mock God. They voluntarily decided to blackmail God, defame God, slander God and his messengers. Oh, in that way, they voluntarily decided to go down to hell on their own accord. How about Kenya? How about this generation? How about the current body of Christ? You are the favorites of heaven right now. Will you then allow pride, pride and haughtiness, mockery, slander? If the cloud of God has already descended, I called God Yahweh, the God of Israel, to come to me, God the Father, the Lord God, and he came to me in the stream of all. He came from the end of the horizon because he wanted you to see, look, I am coming to him. He has called me. So what more? Human approval, are you looking for? What is the pride? What is the haughtiness? Will you then allow pride and haughtiness? Voluntary slander. Will you then voluntarily begin to mock and slander God? Slander his servant. When you know that you are the favorite of heaven right now. You are the one heaven is waiting for. Todah shalom. The Messiah is coming, blessed people. This week we begin big celebrations at the head offices here on Friday. It's going to be so big. They will take days here, about four days to prepare. They'll bring cake here. The lamb will be slaughtered. We will celebrate the visitation of the Lord Yahweh. I bless you all in your churches, wherever you are. I release the blessings based on the authority of God bestowed upon me. In the mighty name of Jesus, bless your health, bless your salvation, your righteousness, your walk, your revival, your steadfastness, that you may not fail the Lord. It is raining so big, you cannot fail him anymore. That you may become the good piece of ground that receives regular rain and produce the lush vegetation, the good vegetation, which is profitable, good for life, good for food, good for the purpose of evangelism, good for eternity. That you may be blessed by God and not be like the thorns and the thistles which are cast by God into the lake of fire. That as you minister Christ, as you receive Christ, he may be your Lord and Savior. You may remain in him and be the Christ ambassador. That you may uphold holiness. Those of you who want to receive the Lord, repeat after me very mightily. Say, dear Jesus, you are my blessed Savior. You are my Lord and my Redeemer. 
And today I open up my heart to you and receive you with all my heart as my Lord and my Savior. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to establish your word in my heart and establish righteousness in my heart and establish holiness in my life and keep my name in the book of life that belongs to the Lamb of God in heaven. Keep my name in the register of God, the register of the citizens of heaven, and allow me to flourish, blossom, produce lush vegetation, good health, spiritual health, in the salvation of the cross. In the mighty name of Jesus, I'm born again. I bless you, blessed people. Now you can go ahead and celebrate the goodness of God. I know that this week we are beginning celebrations. We will never stop celebration. We are going to celebrate until the enemy commits suicide. Until Satan asks for a rope to commit suicide, to hang himself. And I'm ready to buy him that rope. Hallelujah. We will celebrate the visitation of the cloud of God. Never happened in more than 3,000 to 4,000 years. And he has chosen this ministry. He has chosen this prophet speaking with you. He could have gone anywhere else. We would have wept the blood out of our stomachs. But now he chose here. He made it clear that this is the servant. This is my voice. This is my servant, my messenger. He is from heaven. When he calls me, I come running. Listen to him. And those sitting under his teaching, I bless you with eternity. That is what the cloud says. The Messiah is coming. Todah Rabbah. Todah Lachem. Todah Shalom.